Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? Here I am once again. <laughs> we did have a little bit of technical difficulties, and we're starting to record again. Fortunately, we didn't get halfway through it. We only got about 15 minutes into it, so we got about 15 minutes to recast or recap, and uh, hopefully it won't go too long. Yeah, luckily, we already know what we just said. We're just going to say it better this time. If you are new to the show, obviously what we do is we take movies that are at least 20 years old, we recast them in 2021 with modern-day actors and actresses, and then we give you, the fans, a chance to vote on which cast you think is better. Today's episode is actually our holiday episode, which is Die Hard from 1988. We'll touch more on the whole holiday thing. I know Jesse and I are both uh, very passionate about people who call that a Christmas movie. Yeah, we've got some words for you folks. Please make sure you are listening on Good Pods. I know you guys like to listen on Apple Podcasts. You guys like to listen on Spotify. The thing about Good Pods, you've been listening. You know I've been championing this for a few different episodes. And the reason being is that you can actually rate each individual episode and comment on each individual episode as opposed to the entire podcast as a whole. And it's a little bit more interactive if you want to interact with podcasts. And Good Pods isn't like a little niche thing with 12 podcasts on there. Like, literally, you can listen to any podcast you want. I've been listening to me and Jesse, like Mac and Goo. We've been listening to them on Good Pods. Yeah, it's incredibly interactive. And like you said, those, those facets are unique. It really makes them stand out. So that way you can comment on each episode and really have a conversation with people that also listen to that specific episode. Because as we know, maybe not every episode is going to be something that our fans or fans of other shows want to listen to. But on those ones that we do, it's fun to have that, you know, group, that community feel in there where we can talk about it and really expand on it. So I think Good Pods has really hit the money on this. And I think also the opportunity to be invited to groups and invite others to groups and really to just continue to grow as a community. It's been a great opportunity so far in Good Pods. So I, too, used to use other podcast platforms to listen. But now this is the number one. Absolutely. And hopefully if you guys give us enough five-star reviews, you comment on enough posts, we'll be number one again at some point. I think we were number one, and then I started telling everybody about it, and it's kind of knocked us down a little bit. Yeah, we'll keep climbing up, though. You're not, you're not keeping us down. On social media, make sure you are checking us out. On Instagram is probably the least interactive with us, which is at Podcast 8 Our most interactive is Twitter, at Podcast. That's where a lot of the voting happens. And, of course, on Facebook, at Podcast is the show page. But also, we encourage you to join the group All Things Movies, where you can post anything you want about movies, trivia, you know, questions, ask people who your favorite Joker is. There's all kinds of stuff going on on there. Wayne, we just hit 100 members in All Things Movies. So it's very awesome to reach that initial goal that we had and then to see people becoming more interactive, people posting more questions, topics, pictures, or podcasts. So loving to see it and loving to see the growth. I know one of the debates I got into recently on there was about which Joker is the best. And really, this isn't a debate. I think it's Heath Ledger and it's hands down. Nobody else should really get a vote. However, there were some people who liked Mark Hamill, obviously, as the animated Joker. And I can't really speak to that because I didn't see that a whole lot. But the one that I actually got into a debate, you know, I said that Jared Leto, I think, actually had the potential to be a really good Joker. But he was really misused in the Suicide Squad. I would have loved to have seen him interact with Batman more. Yeah, it's definitely tough to know what his potential could have been, you know, at full peak. Because he is a really good actor. We've seen him do some really good things in... Fight Club and and beyond. He's a really good actor, so tough to see what that could have been with the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix, I think he gave us a really different take, you know, a really, I think, you know, a a mental uh, research type of aspect of it. And um, we kind of saw the the birth of the Joker 
And I think that Heath Ledger's, it's still the top for me. I think that it really hit on all notes and he took it so serious. I mean, so serious so that unfortunately Heath is not here today. And Mark Hamill, I've seen some of the Batman anim- animated stuff, and I think his voice is super recognizable. So I think it depends on the question you're being asked. The best Joker is, is tough at this point. What I do request is that DC take some time to let Joker breathe and really highlight some of the other villains and characters that they have in their lore because I'm getting a little oversaturated with Joker. I'd like to, you know, really let that breathe and come back at me maybe 10 or, or more years later with someone different, but I don't want to see a new Joker every three to four years like Spider-Man. Well, I think it depends on the success of Batman, too, because we got the Batman coming out with Robert Pattinson. I think if it's a huge success, which I expect it to be, then the Batman Part 2 or whatever they want to call it will most likely have the Joker in it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be in like 2024, 2025 if we're projecting because this first one comes out next year in 2022. So I'd say there's going to be about four or five years, and then the last Joker before that was Leto. So, I mean, it's 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 had some time to breathe. I'm just I'm really hoping that with this first, the Batman with Pattinson, that we don't get any more Joker. Really take some time to highlight some of the other people that we already know are casted to play deep villains in that DC comic book history. Speaking of all things movies, that is the best place. We're not the best place, but it's a place where you can go vote for your cast. We do release the episode. We give you about a day to listen to it, and then we'll put a visual up, and you can vote on whose cast you liked better. You can do that on all things movies. You can also do it on Twitter. Seems to be very very popular spot as well and last episode was heat with al pacino and robert de niro and jesse's cast won 19 to 10 so doubled my votes oh man it, it felt very competitive to start i kept clicking and looking in wayne but i know that people like to drop in and vote at random times when they did vote i saw some some pretty nasty things being said like i'm on the wayne train that may not sound bad to you but it hurts it hurts deep scott well, the ones so, that always bother me are the people who just have these absurd reasons why they're voting one way or the other. Like, I'll never vote for anything with Johnny Depp in it. Yeah, which, I mean, you're taking a big chunk out of your catalog, guys. Uh, but we did want to say thank you to all those people who voted. And first and foremost, thank you to all of our Facebook friends and family who go on there and they vote. And definitely love that. We hate bother. Well, I don't really hate bothering you, but I'll tag you every time we post one. And I love the interaction. There's a few people who obviously love to interact with us. I know Jason Aquendo. I know Dan Gilbert. They're very big on interacting and giving us all their thoughts, saying how much they love the things that we put out there. Yeah, the, the continued listenership and interaction we've seen some from some of our Facebook friends. It's really gratifying. Like you mentioned, you know, we don't really get into who all these guys are, you know, you know, for their privacy, but also because there's so many of them that do come and interact now in all things movies. But, you know, we get more podcasts and, and podcast listeners on Twitter that help out with our vote count, and we appreciate them as well. I definitely want to take some time to shout out some of those people on Twitter. We have Mashley at the Movies. They vote every single episode, and their newest episode, their newest podcast, check it out on Good Pods and give it a five-star rating, is Criterion Nightmare Alley. Not a huge horror fan. I know uh, me and Jesse have talked about it, but uh, Jesse's a little bit more of a horror guy than I am. Yeah, I don't get spooked out as easily, guys, so I will certainly check out that podcast. Don't check out every episode of every podcast, but if it kind of piques my interest and, you know, makes my nips hard, then I'm going to go ahead and press play. Well, then you're going to love this next one because Bad Dad's Film reviewed most recent episode. They cover Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez and the movie Teletubbies. Wow, and that did both those. It piqued my interest and got my nips hard. I'm not going to tell you in which order, but definitely two things that I always think of at the same time, you know, Hustlers, Teletubbies, um, and Waffles. You know, those are the big three. It's like Death Taxes and those two things. Yeah, give me Hustler Magazine Teletubbies edition all day long. 
That's sick. <laughs> They're pretty furry. You know, somebody needs to trim a little bit. I'm just going to say. Walk the Cinema Podcast. They just did two episodes, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. I know these are kind of more Bruce Campbell, comedy-ish, gore-type movies, right? Yeah, definitely not more of the, the spooky, but they'll give you some laughs. And he made uh, a living off doing those. Um, those aren't his only two, but they definitely have their own uh, genre and following, a bit of a cult following, I'd say. It also got him three spots, uh, kind of cameo roles in the original three Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I mean, hey, sci-fi movies will fin- find you somewhere. The Movie Chef podcast just did a review. It's a spoiler review of Ghostbusters Afterlife, so I'll wait until after I've seen it first. Yeah, for brand new movies, ones that I'm actually really interested in seeing, I like to wait uh, before I actually uh, enter any of that sneak preview or spoiler type stuff into my cerebellum. The Real Glenn Davies is a movie fan. He shares all of his favorite stuff. We happen to fall into that category, and he interacts every episode. So The Real Glenn Davies, thank you for voting. You're the real MVP. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what your tag should be, the real MVP. <clears throat> Although I think uh, was it Kevin Durant's mom's already got it. We'll see if we can buy it from her. Uh, Third Eye Movie Reviews. They have a website called thirdeyereviews.net. They do blogs about movies. Their most recent one is The House of Gucci. And I know Jesse and I have talked about it a couple episodes, but I don't know. For some reason, I just can't really get up for this, even though I know it's a star-studded cast. Like, the previews just aren't doing it for me. I'm surprised this cast doesn't do it for you. I mean, has Lady Gaga away? And, I mean, she's someone that not only have you casted, but, I mean, I heard you were a weeping willow while you watched her movie, so... I really expected you to be in line to watch this night one, and the, the fact that you haven't seen it yet, it does shock and disturb me a little bit. I mean, beyond her, it has Adam Driver, our boy Jared Leto, it has Al Pacino. Jared Leto is pretty unrecognizable, though. He looks more like Danny DeVito's Penguin character from the Batman. He's definitely gone that way with a lot of his roles, like really getting immersed, like Dallas Buyers Club and things like that. He's just kind of completely changed how he looks. Absolutely. You know, he's got to continue to morph himself. We do also have here Movies on the Way. Make sure you're following them on Twitter. Movies on the Way likes to post all kinds of the newest trailers that come out, uh, any new reviews from different places. So if you're a big movie person and you want to get the most recent, up-to-date stuff, you definitely want to be following Movies on the Way. I love new trailers, Wayne, but I don't love too many trailers. Yeah, especially if it's a movie I really want to see. I don't want too much of the film revealed. So I'll take the teaser and then like a trailer, and then I'm good. Yeah, like I've already seen too much of Spider-Man. <laughs> We've seen half the movie already, except for the parts that we really want to see. Right, the Disney Disney and Marvel, they know how to kind of give us the old tease, the old wiggle. The uncredited movie Extras just did uh, an awesome two-part episode. I mentioned it before we lost our recording, but uh, I, my handwriting's bad, so it looks like they did tank movies. If you're into tank movies, this is uh, the two-parter for you. Oh, wow. Mount Rushmore tank movies, way and go. Uh, Fury and the end. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, 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 and Dylan because I spit hot fire. <laughs> Movies in focus. They just did an interview with the head of the Irish Film Festival. That's super cool. His name, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. <laughs> That's a great accent. Which, by the way, when we talk about field of screens, uh, they give us a little bit of a, uh, a bust on our accent. So I really got to send them a clip of my uh, British accent. Oh, that clip is going to be in this episode, Wayne. They actually met. <laughs> they've actually reached out to me, and, and and they want me to challenge you to do it on this episode. No prep. You talked a pretty big game about how great your accent was and how poor mine was. So they'd like for you to put your money where your your fish and chips go. All right. Well, we'll see, see when we get to the special shout outs for them. And then we've got the Film Rage podcast. They pretty much talk all things movies, trailers, new releases, upcoming events. So again, it's kind of like having Variety magazine, but in a podcast format. 
Oh, we love to rage when we talk about movies. The Film Shake 90s Movies Podcast. This is one that I promised them I would give them shout-outs every episode after I tagged them a bunch of times without interacting with them. Their newest episode is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I Again, I don't know how many of these Star Treks there are. I know they just rebooted them. I like the reboots, but I haven't watched those originals. I'm, I'm wondering if the new country is uh, Patrick Stewart and not William Shatner. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know if I've ever watched a full Star Trek film. Um, I'm not much of a Trekkie. Oh, no, I use the derogatory word when they don't like Trekkie, they're Trekkers. But they've done a lot of films, to be honest. I'm sure it's over 10 to 12 um, between all their stars, you know, the newest ones being Chris Pine. They actually have a new animated show called uh, Star Trek Prodigy that's on Paramount, and my mom and my daughter have gotten into watching that. So that's kind of trying to get into the younger demographic with Star Trek. Yeah, we definitely try to keep it PC on here, so that's why we'll say things like the N-word, the R-word, and now if we're talking sci-fi, the (laughs) T-word. Straight to DVD pod, just did King Richard. Again, it's another movie I haven't quite seen yet. I think it's out in theaters now. It's a movie I will probably wait until it's streaming before I check it out. Probably the first one that has Will Smith theater not breaking down the movie theater door to go see. Yeah, you know what's funny is he's not... I like Will Smith, but if I was going to say there's an actor out there that I will break down the door to go see, it's going to be Hugh Jackman. That's that's my go-to guy. Really? I I for sure thought Tom Cruise was going to come out of your mouth. I love Tom Cruise, too. But you know what's weird about Tom Cruise? I always say that when I see a trailer for a new movie of his, I always go, ugh. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> wow. Wayne the Critic. <laughs> I like being surprised, though. Good surprises, not bad surprises. Uh, even the Score Podcast, they do scores. They'll talk about the Star Wars score, the Indiana Jones score, both done by John Williams. But their newest episode is about spy thrillers and James Bond theme songs. Oh, and what a theme song that is. Um, what did you think of the uh, the opening in No Time to Die? You've seen that, right? I still have not seen No Time to Die. I've been preoccupied binging other things. No time to watch, Wayne. That's sad. <laughs> no time at all. We have the Beefy Boys podcast. They just did an episode called The Penalty Box, Sports with Darby Prescott. So I might check that out. I'm a big sports guy. You know the Beefy Boys are just two twigs sitting next to each other just eating popcorn talking about movies. <laughs> You say twigs or twinks, because I might be interested. <laughs> I said twigs. Oh, okay. Are you, are you hungry? <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. We've got Cheap Seat Reviews, which is a, a great movie podcast. They have other podcasts come on as guests, and I know that they're very big on championing the podcast universe we're creating, so we got to line up a, a spot on their show, one other podcast. Yeah, have their people call my people, Wayne. <laughs> well, your people are always busy. <laughs> the... Casting Views podcast. They just did uh, nothing about casting. I was actually surprised. Their two newest episodes about cryptocurrency and wrestling. Now, I'm interested in cryptocurrency. I know you're a big wrestling guy. Oh, yeah. They hit us both there with these episodes because I could care less about cryptocurrency, but you throw me in some wrestling and I'm all about it. The Total Recast, which is another recasting podcast. We love guys. This is like our, our niche universe, so like the universe within the galaxy, I guess. And Total Recast recently did Road to Perdition, and before that, it did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen Road to Perdition yet, and I know it's supposed to be really good. I have seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, so I might give that one a listen. Oh, I absolutely recommend uh, Road to Perdition. Uh, Tom Hanks, um, you know, really good film win. And I like these guys, you know, two guys that... Um, I don't think they're always going with the, oh, this is a fan favorite or this is a, a top-rate movie. They go for some some more uh, underrated films. I think both these guys do a great job of providing some really in-depth uh, knowledge on the film and then some casting options. So great listen at Total Recast. 
a couple of individuals. We got Backcracker. This is a guy who's a fan of one of our shows, the uh, Mac and Goo podcast, which me and Jesse both like, and uh, he's a big fan of theirs, and he's interacted with us and given us a few votes as well. Yeah, check out uh, you know Dr. Joe Backcracker. He's actually uh, a uh, chiropractor, so that's why he has the name uh, Backcracker. Um, and uh, he actually has his own podcast as well. Um, if you check it out there, um, you know he uh, he has you know guests on. He is huge in the comic books, uh, so uh, he's right in there with that Mac and Goo universe. But uh, great to see some interaction from him, and uh, hopefully it continues. He's a great guy. And we got James Rowling voted, and yet no decaf. I know he's the sports guy, but come on, man, it's just a click. Oh, he was probably watching footy. <laughs> which, speaking of which, we are into our special thanks which is our, some of our favorite shows, and we are going to start with the Field of Screens, guys. This is James and DKF. They recap sports movies, and obviously we're fans of those, so Karate Kid, Tin Cup, whatever your poison is. If it's a sports movie, these guys are going to talk about it. Super funny, and uh, I love listening to, the, to their interaction, and they're kind of like our, our best friends. They're the planet right next to us in the universe. Absolutely. These guys' chemistry is really just the, the over-the-pond version of ours. They are, are very fun. Uh, they, you can tell they've known each other for a long time. And, uh, you know, recently they touched on Airbud, they did Teen Wolf, and they are the two that we had on for our mega episode, our most listened to episode. Uh, it's our Back to the Future recast. So check that out if you haven't, if you're a new listener and you haven't seen that. But yeah, Build the Screens, uh, two great guys uh, that really touch on a lot of great sports movies. Um, they've touched on all kinds of genres. Um, I think rugby, tennis, soccer, racing. Uh, they love, uh, you know, the Rocky Trilogy and the Karate Kid movies. Uh, so those are probably, you know, right up there with their tops. But they are hosting a Field of Screen Awards, um, I think, uh, coming up very, very shortly. Yeah, I think their next, their most recent episode was the Air Bud 1997. And the tagline, which I disagreed with, we guys, we have to fight with these guys about this. They said, better underdog story than Rocky. Yeah, I, I don't know. DK probably wrote that. He's, he's <laughs> a little off the sauce when he, when he typed that out. There's no way that James wrote that. And I will say, I, I will apologize to these guys. I am going to do a British accent at some point, but ever since I, I kind of, you know, put the challenge out there, I guess now I'm like practicing it. And every time I practice, it like comes out Irish. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Someone, someone's getting cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause I, I mean, I have full confidence in my Irish accent. Uh, I actually have. So there's a, a tuning fork, right, which I use when it comes to impressions. And, and it's like you find something that you say exactly like the person and then you try to continue talking but that's like your tuning fork that you use to get into character. And for my Irish, I always go, uh, no, why the fuck do you think I'm looking for it? I've looked all over the goddamn house. I can't find a fucking thing. <laughs> is, is that specifically from Peaky Blinders? Is, is that where you're pulling the Irish from? No, but that's actually a great point. So Peaky Blinders is supposed to be British, but I noticed that their accents are kind of like a mishmash of British and Irish. Probably most mostly because of Killian Murphy. You know, Isn't he the star there? And I know he's more Irish than he is British. He is, and plus, I think he plays like they talk about their Irish gypsies, but they live in England, so they're like from England, but they also have the Irish heritage. So that's why I think it's kind of mixed. The, the thing I say from that all the time is, uh, for Arthur, we'll say, uh, "Courtesy of the Peaky Fucking Blinders." Yeah, I'm, you're you're really great with accents. Emphasis on the great. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> that's more of an impression because I'm I'm doing an impression of the character. So my accent is as good as his, which is if his isn't good, then I guess mine's not going to be good because I'm just copying him. Uh, you nitpicky son of a bee. Well, I know that you have James, David, and myself all waiting on the edge of our seats for your British accent whenever you decide to let us in on it. I'm going to be like John Gilgood. It's going to be so good. So then we've got Shoot the Flick is another favorite of ours. Uh, Scott and Frankie, they, they like 
uh, husband wife they like to recap movies their newest one they wrapped up the indiana jones series with kingdom of the crystal skull sorry guys not gonna listen to that one because i did not like that movie but i loved your recap of the last crusade and their newest one is christmas vacation so i gotta give that one a listen i did listen to christmas vacation Wow, Scott, you hear that? He riding the Wayne train. He's not even going to listen to your podcast about <laughs> about Indiana Jones. That's crazy. Listen, I stomached the Temple of Doom episode. I'm not listening to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Doom. <laughs> the Quantum Recast, which is another one of our recast friends. They just did the Lord of the Rings in the mid '80s, but their newest episode is Spider-Man Two, set in 1997, which really I think isn't that far off from when. It originally came, what, it came out like 2002 or something like that? It was a short window, and they had mentioned that. I think it was less than a five to ten year jump they took this movie. And, you know, it's just, you know, a different slate of, of actors that become available to, to play these roles. And this is the Spider-Man that had Tobey Maguire and Octavius, uh, the Doc Ock villain there. So I haven't uh, fully listened to it yet, but I do plan on listening to it very shortly so that I can... Uh, get an idea as to who they had there. I love these guys' episodes. The Lord of the Rings trilogy was very fun to watch. And honestly, it's had me itching to watch the trilogy over again. Uh, I actually bought it, and I'm just trying to you know, find a way to, to watch it. I feel like an old man now. Like I need to get myself one of those fancy disc readers so I can watch the movies. Yeah, definitely uh, Lord of the Rings, fantastic, I guess. And avoid The Hobbit. The Hobbit is not worth a watch. Yeah, they took one small book and stretched it out into three big movies, and that's the opposite of what they they did there with Lord of the Rings, because I think that one, is, it's really well regarded as, as a great trilogy. The Best Film Ever podcast is one of my favorites. This is a Canadian host on a British podcast. They review movies. They're trying to get to their 100th episode. I'm curious what it's going to be, but they just did Ocean's Eleven, and they did Jerry Maguire. So two movies that I really like a lot, and I, I listen to both of those. I know they are recording for The Matrix coming up very soon, and I, I shared some thoughts on that. Uh, it is not only a film that we recasted, but it's one that you know we are about to see a fourth uh, installment of coming up soon. So uh, I gave them some thoughts. I, I really enjoy listening to some of their uh, episodes that really you know piqued my interest, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, these guys are a fun listen. I really think they do a great job of mentioning other shows and other podcasters and keep it real uh, friendly and cooperative. So these guys are great. And if you're not sure if you're going to watch The Matrix Re- uh, Resurrection, then think about it this way. Do you like the movie Tron? Do you like the movie John Wick? They just smashed them together. Uh, right, yeah, him with the long hair and the beard. I can't unsee John Wick with just The Matrix title. The Movie Wars podcast, we love these guys. They take two movies, they pit them against each other, they have different categories, and at the end of the day, they come up with a final score about which movie wins the war. Their newest episode is The Force Awakens versus Star Trek 2009. This is the only Star Trek series I've seen, is the new ones with Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. I really like them. I'm curious to see how it goes, because The Force Awakens did not really get a ton of acclaim. Did you watch that Star Wars trilogy at all? It pretty much regarded as like the worst trilogy that star wars has provided us that's you know the young anakin skywalker who then much later becomes you know darth vader and it has liam neeson and is that jude law it's you and mcgregor but you're thinking yes. of episodes one two and three and the force awakens was episode seven. Oh, touche yeah you, you are thank you for correcting me i'm thinking i'm thinking of something wrong they they are actually talking about the one with kylo ren correct correct okay yes that makes much more sense have you seen all of those, the ones with Ray? 
I have, and I thought they started off with potential. Like I saw The Force Awakens, and I thought, man, I have a ton of questions. And then they used a different director for the for the eighth ep- installment, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? And then they brought back the original director for the third installment, and it just it was a total mess. Lost its way. Yep, totally lost its way. And then the last one I had here was When Harry Met Movies. Uh, friends of ours, this is Mark and his son Harry. They watch a movie together. Harry watches it for the first time. Their most uh, recent episode is Nightmare Before Christmas. But before that, they did Die Hard. So I know that they're interested in this as well. Yeah, these guys are all up in the holiday business. Going from a questionable Christmas movie to, for sure, a Christmas and Halloween movie. One of those movies that absolutely is able to skirt both holidays. And then I had, just touching on before we get into the recasting, I know we like to talk a little bit of movie news. We like to spend a little bit more time giving the shout-outs because we really appreciate everybody who listens and who votes. But there is some stuff, obviously, you had brought it up last night when I was asking you, Hawkeye. I'm, I'm all up to date. Are you all up to date on Hawkeye? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, got all up to date this morning on Hawkeye, this morning with my daughter. So I, I know we don't like to get very spoilery, but I'm, I'm very much enjoying the show. And I was curious, uh, how do you think it stands up, you know, four episodes into the other Marvel TV series that we've had the opportunity to watch, you know, going to Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. Uh, how do you think this stands up so far? I like it. It's definitely a lot of exposition in it, and I know that they're trying to tie some things in. I think, obviously, Hawkeye is probably the biggest Avenger of all the ones who've gotten their own standalone so far. However, I don't know. I I really liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I know a lot of people didn't, but I did like it, and I did like Loki, of course. There's still some stuff that I've heard might be in Hawkeye, and I keep waiting for it to pop up, but it hasn't popped up yet, so maybe it's not going to be in there. And since it's only speculation, I'm sorry if people think this might be a spoiler, but I had thought Kingpin was going to be in Hawkeye. And in fact, when we see Echo as a little kid, you see somebody in a suit come over and touch her chin. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's Kingpin. I know that anything involving Kingpin or, or his rival, uh, you know, Daredevil, gets you very excited. So, you know, maybe there's a potential for that. I like to stay away from, you know, spoilers and stuff like that that may, you know, really keep me uh, guessing for what's coming. But I very much enjoyed Hawkeye so far. It's been something fun to watch uh, with my daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to what we get to see, you know, moving forward. I think this is, is it six episodes or eight episodes in total? I think it might be eight. But it could be six, too. I, I don't know. They, they mess me up because sometimes they'll do like 10 and then they do like four. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how, you know, what they have to wrap this story up. But again, so far, really enjoying what they're showing us. I think, you know, it's kind of neat, the comparisons between Hawkeye and the movie we're actually recasting, because I think that Hawkeye is seen as like that every man type of uh, Avenger amongst all the other, you know, stars that he's on the team with. And, you know, John McClane is is very much an an everyman. So I I like that connection there, just as we were talking about it. Yeah, beyond Hawkeye, I haven't really been watching a ton, Wayne. I've been watching The Challenge. That's getting into the finale now. So we've got, I believe it's uh, six people left. We're about to find out who's going to win, you know, the ultimate prize there, which is a million dollars on that show. And with Survivor, we're down to the final five to six people there, too. So... My two biggest uh, reality shows, the ones that I'm a huge fan of, those ones are reaching their climax, and uh, I'm going to continue to root for the people that I want to win, and when they don't, I'm going to say it's the show's fault. Well, the other thing I've binge-watched and I finished up is I got all caught up. I finished Dexter Season 8. I am now watching Dexter New Blood, and I think there's only like six episodes of that so far, so eventually I'll get completely caught up with Dexter, and then I'm just waiting episode to episode. I did not like how the original series finale ended. 
And what about this new blood? I mean, I, what was the timing between when the original series ended and when, when this is coming out? Just because I'm obviously not as current as you. I'm not a machine or a cyborg. Well, I'm not sure the the actual setting or the actual difference. I know that in New Blood, it's supposed to be 10 years after the finale. Okay. And how many seasons were there in total um, of Dexter? Eight? Eight, yep. Okay. Well, I'll certainly have to dig my claws in. I haven't been as uh, advantageous as you, but um, I'm hoping to uh, enjoy the show as a whole. It sounds like as, as a whole, you enjoyed the show, just not how it ended up finishing. Yeah, and I'm continuing to watch it because I do like his character and I do like the premise of, I mean, everyone should know by this point, Dexter is uh, a serial killer who hunts serial killers. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's he's just a friendly neighborhood killer. <laughs> right. Emphasis on friendly. He's, he's not a bad guy. He's killing the bad guys. Yeah, he's not. He's an awkward dude, though. Uh, that said, I didn't really have anything else to go over. I don't know if you had anything before we get into this uh, diehard discussion. Uh, I did not. I know uh, next week Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. Um, and uh, I think, you know, both of us are at, you know, full pants tent here for the uh, arrival of that movie. So I don't know how soon you're going to try and watch it. I know that I didn't get opening day tickets um, because I didn't have that type of money. But um, hopefully we both see it before our next episode. That way we can uh, kind of get that off of our shoulders. It's been a long time since we've been anticipating a movie like this. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see it. I had not gotten tickets. I did not win them through work, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to just wait until I can get in there. Right. Well, uh, with that said, I'm excited to uh, die hard. All right. Well, let's do it. On today's episode of Recasted 2.0, we are tackling the 1988 film Die Hard with Bruce Willis. And the reason we're tackling Die Hard is this is our quote-unquote holiday episode. But it's ironic because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, neither me nor Jesse consider this a Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree. You know, there are some small inklings of the holiday, but just not enough for me to even consider it in my top five to ten holiday movies where some people have it number one and that's it's just silly to me yeah i mean the the big debate and i was trying to get an idea of like what really makes a christmas movie like try to come up with some sort of criteria that is consistent that doesn't exclude any christmas movies and and what i had here for die hard why i didn't consider it a christmas movie is because it's not driven by the holiday itself it doesn't have a christmas ending There's no true meaning of Christmas that's discovered. There's no magic of Christmas. There's no Christmas miracles. Christmas isn't saved and it isn't lost. It's just, it's an action movie that takes place on Christmas. End of story. Right. It it is an action movie that takes place in December. You know, we see the big gift of the teddy bear. We do see his kids, but we don't actually see any opening of a gift, any celebration. We don't see any Santa. Um, Even though we see ho, ho, ho written, it's just... It's not enough for me. It's a bunch of you know loose fibers, but nothing that really connects strong enough to make it a holiday movie. So one of those rare instances, one of those ugly scenes where Wayne and I agree, folks. And I know I've seen people argue like, well, the Christmas is in the plot because the whole reason that they're robbing the place is because of the Christmas party, which is on that one floor. And they can kind of get in and rob the place on the bottom floor. But I was like, it didn't have to be a Christmas party. It could have been just like a party celebrating that they're like, a big sale or something. It, it just and it didn't even have to be a party. It could have been any day of the week. Really, it wasn't driven by Christmas. But I said, okay, let's use your reasoning against you. 
In Ocean's Eleven, the whole reason they robbed the Bellagio that particular day is because there's a fight between Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko. That's the reason for the date. So I guess Ocean's Eleven is a boxing movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and then the one I posted in All Things Movies, if you're part of that group, is that Space Jam must be a baseball movie. Since, after all, they kidnap a baseball player, force him to play a different sport, and then return him to a baseball field to end his baseball career. Yeah, that, that one is starting to hurt my feelings. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know where Space Jam sits in my heart. But overall, I think Die Hard, if they could have ended the movie with about five to six more minutes and maybe shown us a scene at the house with a bit of a reconciled Holly and John with their kids, maybe sharing a meal or, or near the Christmas tree, it becomes a little bit more believable as a Christmas or, or a holiday movie. But we don't see any of that. We don't at any point see all four of the members together. And Christmas is family to me. It's not just an event or a party at a, a work function, and it's not a Christmas hat. He could have literally been wearing any type of hat. But uh, I think overall, it was a, definitely a fun movie to watch. And I think what was really fun about you know Bruce Willis's portrayal is that in '88 he was so far off the beaten path of what was being casted for those types of movies. Yeah, for sure he was. So kind of getting back to the movie and less about the Christmas debate. It's directed by John McTiernan who directed Last Action Hero, Predator, The 13th Warrior, Thomas Crown Affair, Hunt for Red October. This guy's got a huge, huge background in action movies. And the plot, because we always go over that, the plot is this. Again, simple. Thank you, imdb.com. An NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken by German terrorists during a Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza. It got an 8.2 on IMDb. It's a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's two hours and 11 minutes, and you said that you did like it, right? Absolutely, yeah, I did enjoy it. You know, I think there were some good some good quippy lines. There were some familiar faces. I mean, as someone who grew up in, in the 90s, I got to see someone from, uh, you know, family members there. You know, that's Carl Winslow playing, you know, you know Al, Sergeant Al there. Or is it Lieutenant Al? Uh, Sergeant, um, he's a sergeant. Okay, yeah, Sergeant Al. Um, and then, you know, obviously Bruce Willis has done, I think, like 14 or 15 of these Die Hard movies now, so... I find the first one and two are very enjoyable. And then, you know, as they go, it's kind of an eye roll type, you know, motion. I'm, I'm not as stoked about the the droning on about the, the franchise, but those first two installments, definitely very enjoyable. Yeah, see, I like the first one and I like the third one. I didn't really like the second one, which actually could potentially be more of a Christmas movie than this one. But the third one is the one with Samuel L. Jackson. I think that one's really good. He's in every movie. Look at the credits. <laughs> He's actually in the first one. We just didn't see him. He's uncredited. <laughs> he played one of the kids. <laughs> All right, so, so you brought it up that, you know, John McClane, Bruce Willis, kind of a different role. Initially, they had looked at getting Arnold Schwarzenegger, getting, you know, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, some of these bigger action stars, and they ended up going with uh, Bruce Willis. And, again, we're, we're going to recast this, and he's going to be the last role that we recast. But, I mean, what did you think about this kind of starting a whole genre of, like, everyday man action heroes? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, going backwards, you can kind of see that this was the starting point of a lot of films where it's one versus the world, and it's one guy that needs to really save a huge scenario or, or uh, a big uh, type thing. So I think, you know, it was very interesting to see the direction that Hollywood took this, and I think that Bruce Willis really did a great job. I think he was more believable as, you know, just somebody's husband and you know he didn't need to be ripped to the gourds i think you know sly and and arnie you know they they wouldn't be as believable as you know just everyday cops that are coming in and and taking this this group of you know 
international terrorist on. I mean, he's on. He's definitely not fitting through any vents. Unless they're like ten foot wide caissons. No, they'd they'd have to restructure the whole building just to get Arnie in there. And I mean, I just I don't think any of those lines are delivered with as much you know emphasis um, or are remembered as well by anybody else but Bruce Willis. I really think he he hit the nail on the head with this cast. Well, we do like to start at the bottom and work our way up. We have eight characters we're recasting. Did you want to start with Argyle? Yeah, let me go ahead and start. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with Argyle. Argyle, I'm your limo driver. Nice bear. Okay. Argyle, what do we do now? I was uh, hoping you could tell me. It's my first time driving a limo. Robertson played by, and what a name here, Devereaux White. And this is one of the first, you know, few people we see other than John McClane. You know, he is meeting John as the limo driver holding the sign that says McClane. And, you know, he's, he's very young. First time he's, he's uh, going to be driving the limo and he lets John know that right away. I, I believe he says he's 22 years old. So I was looking for a young, eccentric, curious guy because Argyle, he, he provides me some, some curiosity. He's, he's a bit of a tryhard. I think he's really trying to impress while also being like, hey, man. This is the first time I'm doing this. Let's just see how it goes. So, I mean, he's, he's awkward, but also trying to be cool. And so, from that, I got vibes from the show Blackish. That is a show that has Anthony Anderson, and he's got three kids and uh, a beautiful wife. And his oldest son is actually Marcus Scribner. And to me, he plays awkward, unknowing, while also trying to be, you know, the coolest kid on the block. And that's what I got from Argyle here. So, I didn't try too hard. You know, I, I'm not going to use, you know, throwaway, but, you know, for this role, I just wanted to find someone who was young, cool, and hip that would have really fit the vibes that Argyle provided me. I agree. I think that I didn't want to use the word throwaway either because I really liked Argyle's character, and I liked that he brought a little bit of humor and youth. I think that when you're describing how he's trying hard, he's a typical, he's a young guy trying to make it in L.A., right? And I, I like the Marcus Scribner pick when I was watching some clips from different shows. I think I watched a lot of Mixed-ish, Grown-ish blackish he's in all of those all the ish shows and he's a very uh, yeah very cool kind of laid back chill guy and i really think that that's what argyle was so i could definitely picture this guy plus he's only 21 years old so he kind of fits that you know 21 22 23 year old mold so i think he'd be a, a great limo driver for john mcclain i thought it was a great choice thank you and and who did you provide us john I chose an actor named Coy Stewart. So Coy Stewart is actually on the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He plays Flint, but I actually recognize him first and foremost, and this is the reason I casted him, from Bella and the Bulldogs. He played Troy Dixon, uh, who was the quarterback that Bella replaces. And I wanted somebody who had a comedic background, and being a, a child comedic actor on a Nickelodeon show, I thought he would fit in right away. And he's 23 years old, so he's got the right age, too. Yeah, and, you know, he's young. He kind of fits that same mold that my actor did. And, you know, when I looked into your guy, I saw that he was on that comedic show, Mr. Glacius, that has the stand-up comedian Gabriel Glacius. I think he also goes by Fluffy. But he was on that show. So I just, I think really we did a great job, uh, both of us, of finding young gentlemen who really have a comedic background. I think that was important to really try and encapsulate what Argyle provided us in his his moments on the screen wasn't a long time, but in the times we did see him at the start of the arrival of the movie and then at the end, um, I really think that we didn't see him a lot, but he was definitely fun. So I think we both hit the nail on the head with fun. Then we got into Thornburg, who is the TV reporter. This is my story. I, I can't hear you out there. Sam, all right, look, Sam, I tell you what, you don't want to give me a truck? I'll go and I'll steal a truck. Hey, give us a break, Thornburg. Eat it, Harvey. 
He's actually a diehard, too, as well. He's played by William Atherton, who always kind of plays this kind of guy. He was in Real Genius as the douchey professor. He's in Ghostbusters as the EP or was it the, yeah, the EPA guy, I think. Uh, he's in a movie called No Mercy. Just a really punchable face and kind of a guy who every time he speaks, you're like, oh, I just want to punch this guy. Even if his face wasn't punchable, he just sounds like you want to punch him. And I went with somebody who's a bit of a big actor. Like I said, a huge budget here for me in this film. I went with Kerry Elways, who people should know him. He's the Wesley in The Princess Bride. He was in Days of Thunder. He's the Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's Robin Hood. He's in Saw. He's in Liar Liar, Stranger Things. Stranger Things is what I really pulled from because he plays a really douchey mayor. And I felt like, all right, perfect. That character right there would be the perfect TV reporter who's going to get punched in the face. As you wish. Uh, obviously my biggest polls for Carrie always are Princess Bride, which, you know, shout out to our original recasted moniker there, but that's going to be one of our first episodes, if not the first episode that we did. Actually, I think Major League was the first one. So, um, it's one of the first episodes that we did, and that was a fun one, um, in our very first iteration as recasted. So check that out folks. But yeah, that and, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, I think he was very fun and, humor filled there but yeah watching some clips of him as as the slimy mayor in stranger things um i I really love that pick for you and i think that you know punchable he's someone that's untrustworthy someone that you think would kind of go the extra mile not to benefit everybody but to benefit himself and you can see that in thornburg where you know he ends up telling uh holly's I think it's, you know, the caretaker for the kids or the um, the babysitter that he's going to call INS. Um, and so I can see the sliminess, the greasiness, and just, you, you know, you make makes you want to clench your fist and start throwing fists when you see this guy really putting people in that position. So um, fantastic pick by you, Wayne. Um, I hope not to say this a lot, but like I mentioned to start, uh, I really think the cast you provided was one of your better ones yet. And so for mine, I tried to find, you know, that same vein. I don't think... I went as old as the original actor or what you provided, but I think I provided that same type of vibe. And for me, I went with Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz, you're going to know Jean Ralphio on Parks and Rec. If you've seen Parks and Recreation, went on for many seasons. You see him sprinkled in in a few of them. Um, and uh, he's honestly he's very annoying, self-centered, selfish, um, and uh, he just doesn't do things that are right and so he's also um the face animation and voice for sonic the hedgehog which just this past week was announced as you know getting that second one and has a poster so um he's staying relevant um but i think he is most known for you know if you look at his face as jean rolfio on parks and rec and i just get the same annoying slimy selfish vibes from him that i got from thornburg yeah, I was watching a lot of clips of his, primarily from Space Force, where he plays, I think, Tony Scarpaducci or something like that. And I was watching that, and I do see that annoyingness to him. In fact, he actually kind of reminded me of, like, he could be cousins or brothers with Topher Grace. He had that kind of feel to him. And I'm watching, that's, like, yeah. That's never good when you compare someone to Topher Grace. <laughs> so he definitely has a punchable face. I can see that. And the, the one thing I felt was missing from the different clips I watched from him and his characters is that while, yes, you do want to punch him for being an annoying, in-your-face kind of guy, I didn't see that evil, that maliciousness. You know, like you were saying, that scene where he kind of just has the cameras back off and then very seriously says, listen, you're going to let us in here. We're going to call the INS. And I had a hard time picturing him saying that to somebody. Yeah, I don't think he's provided as much evil as the original actor was able to, um, because I think 
like you had mentioned, outside of you know Die Hard, he played kind of a, a dick in other things as well. So uh, Ben Schwartz um, didn't really have the evil dick on his resume, but I just felt he he fit some other areas. Um, and uh, so I certainly you know give that to you. He's not gonna make you think that he's gonna not just tiptoe the line but cross it as much as you know the recent iterations of Carrie Always that we've seen. All right, and so we are on to our very next one, and that is Ellis. Talk about Ellis. douchey, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Um, looks it, acts it. I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening, i.e., they want something, huh? Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Ireland. It's none of my business. I figure you're here to negotiate. Am I right? You know, he, the first time you see him, he seems to be uh, hitting on Holly, um, you know, really making the moves. And, you know, from then on, he's, he's having a few nose beers at the desk there. I, I believe that's, that's Holly's desk even. Um, I, I think he does come off as a super douchey guy, someone who's, um, every time you see him talk on the screen, he's like, oh, what is your husband going to do to us now? Like, as if John's the one sitting there with the gun killing people. Um, and uh, he goes in there and he really puts uh, John and Holly in a, a pretty tough position um, when he goes in there and talks to Hans himself. And so for this character, like you mentioned, just top-notch douche, um, but someone that you know looked kind of suave. You know, he obviously was pretty high up in the organization as well. Um, him and Holly working together with Nakatomi. Um, so I wanted someone that looked to be suave but could also give you kind of like the steal your girl vibes, the douchey vibes. And so the actor that I chose for this was Dominic Cooper. And Dominic Cooper actually plays young Howard Stark in the Marvel films and TV shows that we've seen. He's also in the comic book show Preacher. And he is a suave, good-looking guy. But I also think, like I mentioned, he's got the ability to kind of have those steal your girl vibes. You know, you could see his interactions around uh, Chris Evans's Captain America when... Uh, Peggy and young Howard Stark are kind of originally uh, provided to the fans um, as an audience. And I think that suave, good looking and, you know, potentially bad dude uh, could be there. So, again, maybe I'm not checking all the boxes, but I think that I'm checking enough boxes here in good looking. Uh, so he'd be high up in this company and someone who could really do some smarmy things. Yeah, for sure. I think that you checked a lot of the boxes, like you said. I think that maybe the roles that I've watched him in, because I saw some clips. Obviously, I know him as Howard Stark, but I, I've seen some clips uh, from The Duchess, The Devil's Double, trying to just find some different types of clips. And he always kind of seems a little bit nice. You know, like I said, Ellis is kind of an asshole, you know, and that's the only thing that I don't see like that asshole vibe from him. But as far as everything else, like you said, totally suave. Totally could picture him with a little bit of roughage, you know, doing blow off the desk, you know, and I could totally picture all of that. So the only thing would just be like, can he deliver that line that makes you want to punch him where he's like, show him the watch. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, probably just missing, you know, that aspect. But uh, I liked, the, you know, the suave, good looking aspect of it. And I'm uh, curious uh, to see what the what the fans uh, reaction is of that. Um, and then also as to who you provide. Yeah, for sure. And is it just me or is Dominic Cooper, when I first saw him and I was trying to find you know, pictures for our, our thing that we we're going to post, I thought, man, he kind of looks like Diet Carl Urban. He does, yeah. Um, but uh, I think he's a bit better looking. Um, I think facial hair does wonders for us gents. <laughs> it does. The, make, the makeup for dudes. Yeah, I went with a guy named Tom Pelfrey. 
So Tom Pelfrey, who I'm most familiar with him, is as Ben Davis in Ozark. He is Jason Bateman's brother-in-law. He's kind of a, a screw-up, has some mental issues, and he seems nice enough, but he's just got some problems. And he ends up like screwing up their whole operation that they have going there. Uh, he was Kurt Bunker in Banshee. He was an Iron Fist as a Ward Meacham. So he's, again, very suave-looking, very smooth, handsome. I totally believe this guy is a cokehead, and especially in Ozark, he has those moments where he's kind of an a-hole. So. Kind of. He is, by far, hands down, the worst character in any Ozark season. <laughs> uh, I couldn't stand any scene that had him. I was just like, yo, kill him. Get rid of this dude. He sucks. <laughs> um, and I didn't recognize him when you sent the picture um, or, or the name for your cast, and then I did some looking, and I was like, oh my goodness, that is the gentleman who played Ward Meacham on Iron Fist. And I'm curious, Wayne, is that one of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows that you did watch, or did you skip that one? No, I, I, I kind of skipped Iron Fist. I only really got into uh, Daredevil, so I haven't seen um, Jessica Jones or Iron Fist. See, I actually watched Iron Fist. I mean, there's Luke Cage as well, but I, I watched Daredevil, and then I watched Iron Fist, and Ward Meacham, I really think that you'd like him on here too. So I, I think... The, the Ward Meacham as well as um, the uh, representation on Ozark really fully encapsulates the douchiness of this guy. And I can absolutely see him being a selfish, smarmy, slimy dude. And then we get into Carl. And Carl is like the head bad guy henchman, the right-hand man to Hans. We're both professionals. This is personal. He looks like a long-haired Swedish guy. He is played by Alexander Gundov, who was 39 years old. Only, he died when he was 45, actually, in 1995. He drank himself to death. That's kind of sad. Oh, that is sad. But yeah, he was in, prior to this, he was in Witness. He was in The Money Pit, where he played like um like a whatever a conductor of a symphony. So he always kind of plays like a, a, a fancy guy. The interesting thing is his background is actually as a ballet dancer. He was the lead ballet dancer in uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov's company here in the United States. And then the two of them had a falling out. He got into acting. And you would never picture that with him as Carl with a machine gun. Not at all, no. I, I think that's one of those fancy nuggets you find when researching this film that Big bad Carl with the machine gun actually can better do a, a better ballet routine than you. Hell, everybody can do a better ballet routine than me. But yeah, he was—I had big, cold, scary. He's like a ghost with a gun, is what I have here. And I went with Lee Pace. So Lee Pace played Thranduil in The Hobbit. So most people didn't see it, rightfully so, but he's an elf with long blonde hair. He was more what I recognize him from, and the character I was thinking of here is Ronan from The Guardians. He is Ronan the Accuser, and he was also Garrett in Twilight. He's a big guy. He's like 6'5". He's very imposing, so I felt like he would fit this role really well, and he's played the bad guy quite a bit in some of his previous roles. Yeah, uh, definitely recognizable as Ronan. I think the the voice, the way he um, you know really verbalized and presented things, I mean, the only one... That really seemed to intimidate him um, in those scenes with Thanos. As long as your Bruce Willis um, doesn't have a dance-off, I think this is a very good casting. If he has a dance-off, Lee Pace is screwed because we, <laughs> we know he can't win those things. Um, but yeah, I think very good casting. Um, you had mentioned it, um, but um, I'd be um, totally remiss if I didn't mention it. Just spending those dollars, homie. Um, you know, getting... Get, Getting a guy that's played an MCU villain um, and then been in the Lord of the Rings umbrella to to be, uh, you know, your bad guy. Um, bad guy with one name, even. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I think that's a great pull, um, just an expensive pull. Um, and uh, so for mine, um, I have Adam Copeland. And um, you are a normie, so you're not going to know who Adam Copeland is. But for any of my wrestling fans out there, I picked Edge. Um, he is a 15-year wrestling veteran. Um, beyond that, even uh, known for having very long hair. The picture um, that you know you ended up sending back to me. Uh, he's got some shorter hair, and I think that was when he was on a sci-fi show called Haven. Um, but he's also been in things like The Vikings. Um, that is a show that just ended after several seasons, or is due to end. And he was in that for a couple seasons. Um, you know, long hair, looking ugly as all hell. Um, and I even sent you some some gifts and some pictures uh, via messages to kind of give you a better idea as to the idea I was coming up with for Edge. And I just get someone who is intense, someone who, again, provides that long, bl- like, dirty blonde hair, someone who has experience, you know, in Vikings, so can pull off an accent of sorts. And uh, I think he can provide us a, a scary rage villain in, you know, the, the newest iteration of Die Hard that we're going to provide him. So your list initially, I'm looking at all these names. I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Like, obviously, I went with all, like, blockbuster names. But, like, I was looking at your names. I'm like, I don't understand who these people are. When I looked up Adam Copeland and I saw all the wrestling pictures, I was like, oh, of course. Here we go. And then uh, I started watching some clips. So I know he was in The Flash on uh, the, the TV show. And I was watching that. I was like, eh, I don't really love that. And then I watched some clips of him in Vikings where I guess he plays Kajetil or something like that. And uh, yeah. I was, like, completely perfect. Like, that role, absolutely, hands down. Like, that's that's Carl all the way. Yeah, I really liked it. I think, you know, he, you know, wrestling, as much as people want to say it's fake, it, it's a, a scripted, uh, you know, performance. Um, and these guys, um, you know, Edge being one of the guys um, that has done it for over 15 years, he's a great actor, um, can really deliver some lines. Not that Carl has a lot of dialogue, but, um, you know, he has a, a scary enough face and um, I think imposing enough figure that uh, I really like the pull here from my wrestling background. I can't always dip into Friday Night Lights or Marvel, so... Had to dip my toesies into to wrestling here. So I'm glad that you ended up liking the pick after seeing some more of his filmography. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you brought up like dipping into certain buckets. Uh, I tried to try so hard not to dip into the Dexter bucket because usually I will cast at least one person from whatever show I'm binge watching, but nobody from Dexter here. <laughs> not yet. Uh, so uh, I'm going to jump into uh, Sergeant Al Powell. I shot a kid. He was 13 years old. It was dark, I couldn't see him, he had a ray gun look real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. Uh, whose real name is Reginald Bell Johnson, what a fantastic name. Um, but you guys are all going to know him much better as Carl Winslow on Family Matters, that show that had Steve Urkel. Um, and uh, on that show, he too plays a cop, um, a friendly but seemed to... Uh, have, he's already had it with your shit type of cop. Um, and I think the only thing that is slightly unbelievable about his his representation in the film is there's no way this guy who's that old is on his way to his first kid with his wife. Like, um, and he, just, he looks like he could be on his fourth or fifth kid, but he mentions to John that you know his wife is pregnant with her first. Um, but my representation for uh, Sergeant Al Powell is Rockman Dunbar. Um, he's an actor that has a history of being in those police, military-type roles. Uh, Pacific Blue, The Practice, Prison Break, CSI Miami, The Mentalist, 911. He's a big, imposing uh, gentleman. Um, like I mentioned, has um, history on uh, TV with uh, The Force. And uh, I just think at this age, he looks the role of being someone who 
um, has been on the force for a while um, and uh, is out buying snacks. So fatherly, kind of done with his sh- done with everybody's shit, um, but uh, also has a bit of tenderness to him. You can tell when he ends up getting to talk to John on the walkie. They build a, a bond. Well, that's what I was going to say about the Rockman Dunbar. Is obviously, he does have that history of playing law enforcement, and I've seen a million clips when I was going through kind of finding these different clips of him. I'm like, yeah, he plays a cop all day long. I 100% believe him as a cop. And I even watched some clips of him in Soul Food to try to get maybe a little bit more of a, you know, like I said, to try to get more of a personality out of him. Because the big thing with uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, like you said, is that warmth, that fatherly kind of inviting figure. And uh, everything I was finding from Prison Break to even like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Sons of Anarchy, whatever I could find of Rockman Dunbar, I was having a hard time trying to like finding that that fatherly, warm, invitingness. I, I've definitely found the cop stuff, but not the, not like that. You know, the- so he so he's actually a shout from my mom, uh, and apparently there's a show that she was watching called The Game, um, and he plays uh, more of a, a father, um, an agent's husband um, in that show, and so he's not like a huge center on the show, but that's probably where um, you know she was finding those fatherly vibes, um, and not so much so his his police portrayals, but. Um, you know, I certainly take the criticism. I know that you do your research, man. You you watch plenty of clips, so I mean, I appreciate how in depth you go. Yeah, for sure. I'll have to check out some clips on the game and see how he plays out. Like I said, you know, humorous, fun, warm, inviting. Uh, for my character or my actor, I went with Dule Hill, who was in the show Psych. He played Burton Guster. He was in The West Wing as Charlie Young. He was in Ballers as Larry Seifert, who is the general manager of the Dolphins. I'm currently watching The Wonder Years. Uh, he plays Bill Williams. He's the dad in The Wonder Years. And so I just think that he has that perfect warmth, almost like, especially because his character, right? Remember, he he shot a kid when he was a young police officer and he could never pull a gun again, which is why he's at the desk. And I felt like Dulé Hill gives off that vibe, like I'd have a really hard time pulling my pistol. Yeah, I definitely recognize him from Psych. And he, he gives me vibes of someone who's on the force but probably wouldn't really hold the gun the right way or or feel confident in holding that gun. And so I, I really like the pick. Um, I'm not super familiar with him outside of uh, Psych. Uh, so I, I did check out some clips of him. And, you know, I really like the pick, Wayne. I think you've done a great job of finding someone who is a well-rounded, you know, has that police presence as well as gives you that fatherly vibe. And so Dulé Hill, great pick here. I, I don't think it was essential that the cop we chose had to have much size to him i just wanted to find somebody that had um you know some girth to him um and i think you'll see that more in my almost as well but um yeah i I think you know we both uh, again here provided some people that you know checked many or all the boxes we wanted to for sergeant al powell for sure and i definitely would recommend the wonder years to anybody um i know that there's been some talk like oh why'd they remake the wonder years i'm like they remake stuff all the time so i I checked it out i'm hooked on it i love don Cheadle as the uh, the voiceover he's the narrator and it's just a really fun, if you remember yourself when you were 12 or 13 years old, it's just, it's got that kind of feel. It's fun. Yeah, we hear it recast, it can't be mad at remakes. <laughs> the next character we had was Holly Gennaro, a.k.a. Holly McLean. This is John's wife. She changed her name when she moved out to L.A. I have a request. What idiot put you in charge? You did. When you murdered my boss. Now everybody's looking to me. Personally, I pass on the job. I don't enjoy being this close to you. They're obviously having some problems, and he's trying to patch things up. She was played by Bonnie Bedelia, who was 40 at the time, and she has 
been in stuff since the 60s. So she's been acting consistently throughout every decade up until this. I actually thought she was very attractive. And I thought that she was a very strong woman. Like she confronts Hans at one point to get the couch for her friend. And he's like, who made you the boss? And she's like, you did when you killed my when you killed my boss. Yeah, I liked those lines that she delivered. Because I think if it weren't for those lines, she'd really not be as as big in the plot um, or, or really the whole realm of things. So I, I liked that they provided her a few lines here or there to show that she wasn't just this throwaway role, that she wasn't just this rug for Hans to treat like, you know, until he got to John. Um, so I, I liked um, Bonnie's portrayal of the character for sure. Yeah, and I think, again, very attractive, at least I thought so. So I went with uh, an attractive, I guess we'll uh, we'll use the word cougar, why not? A cougar-type person who was in A Teacher, and she plays the teacher who seduces the student. She was Sue Storm in the new Fantastic Four movie. She was in Shooter. She was in The Martian, and that is Kate Mara. She was also in House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. Everything she's in, extremely sexy and attractive, and she also kind of plays off that very strong, independent female-type role. You didn't want to cast Pam Smart. Who's Pam Smart? Uh, well, uh, apparently I'm going to educate you like our listeners. She is the New Hampshire teacher that ended up having a uh, relationship with a student, and uh, the student and student's friends ended up killing off her husband. Oh. Uh, so that's I, I think that's one of the brainchilds of a teacher. Um, but, yeah, got, uh, probably one of the bigger stories that came out of New Hampshire. But, yeah, Pam Smart, the, uh, the old teacher that got in a relationship with a male student and had her husband die. Um, but looking at the actress you did provide, my first um, you know memory of her is We Are Marshall, the movie that had Matthew McConaughey as the coach. Um, it was that true story of the tragedy. Um, I think she's very pretty. Um, and then I, I've, I've watched her um, in some clips of some other things, and I think she has stayed pretty. I watched an extended trailer as well as some clips of her in A Teacher, and I think um, I think she she gives off you know vibes um, of someone who is strong struggling with her herself because you know she's she's obviously a married woman on the show and she's not sure you know if she's gonna kind of continue a relationship with the student or her husband so it definitely seems based on the clips that you know she she has a, a very good fit for this role that you chose for her um and i think very pretty um obvious obviously she's very pretty um <laughs> I think she has great eyes too. That was the first thing I noticed with your your choice there. And I, I FX really does a great job with their shows. So uh, the teacher show, I know you've watched it. Probably something that I'll get into as well. I, I like you know a lot of the shows that they do between Dave and Atlanta. I think they do a great job. Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna say which clips I've watched the most, but I've watched a lot of clips of her. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Becky, don't listen. Uh, so uh, my pick here for. Uh, Holly McLean Gennaro is actually going to be Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I find someone here who's pretty. Um, didn't pick someone that had a huge name. Again, I think we're touching on the Freaky Friday between Wayne and I, where we're, we're, we're doing a little bit of different things than we normally do. Um, but uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, mostly known as a screen queen. She was in a lot of horror movies that I would say are probably like B-list, you know, like the third Final Destination film, um, Black Christmas, Death Proof. Um, what was fun, and I literally had no idea when I was researching her, because I was just trying to research some some females that were in that age demographic. You know how we get on Google and we're like, you know, female actresses, female brunette actresses. We're just hitting the Google search bar. And I found her, and I'm looking at her filmography, and she actually plays John McClane's daughter in A Good Day to Die Hard. Um, and had no idea, but I was like, you know what, I'm sticking with it. And, you know, I, that's not one of the, the diehards that I've seen. 
I didn't hear Wayne mention anything about it yet, so you know what, I'm just going to run with it. But yeah, actually plays John McClane's daughter in one of the later iterations, so I thought that was a neat little nugget, um, and wouldn't mind carrying that into my version of Die Hard. So uh, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is my Holly. Yeah, it definitely makes it for a cool shout. I think my only hesitation with it was I know that she was in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I've mentioned is one of my most hated films. I can't (laughs) stand it. And uh, she also played Huntress in uh, the birds of prey, which I actually thought was a cool character, but I feel like the characters I've seen her play or that I found her playing have been mostly kind of like that emo goth type character. And so it would be interesting to see her play almost like uh, a a mom of two, you know? Yeah, definitely. I I think you got to give her the opportunity to do so. Um, And I think, um, Maybe that's what my cast is more doing because I'm choosing some people that aren't, click, you know, checking all the boxes, um, but they have the potential to fill that box. And so mine is probably more the potential cast, and yours is is the uh, the potentially going broke uh, uh, cast. But yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, how this rounds out. I know we don't have much left here. No, yeah, you got uh, Hans up next. Yes, I do. Hans originally and masterfully played by Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Check on all the others. Don't use the radio. See if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. Uh, I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. A gentleman who also played, you know, one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter, Professor Snape. Um, and uh, I think he did a great job in this role. Um, definitely not originally German, but I think, you know, he did well enough with the accent that, you know, it came across and he had the long haired Goonies. Um, and, you know, he is a international terrorist. He is not there to have um, any Christmas festivities. He's there to steal those bonds. And so for my Hans Gruber, I chose Matthias Schweighofer. He is a German actor who I saw originally in uh, Army of the Dead. And that's a movie that has another wrestler, Batista. But that movie was done by Zack Snyder. It's like the zombie type heist movie that they did. Um, And he's actually going to be starring in the sequel uh, called Army of Thieves. He's also in an Amazon Prime show. Um, that gives me like German, like born type, uh, you know, vibes. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I, I really tipped my hat, you know, or, or lent my pick to him being a, a, a very German actor and someone that has, you know, he, he certainly has a younger face. Um, but I think that he could uh, give off, you know, a menacing vibe um, in this scenario. Yeah, so I was watching clips, because uh, again, I hadn't really heard of him, so I was watching clips from The Red Baron, I was watching Army of the Dead, and I, I didn't, I definitely didn't love the depiction of him in Army of the Dead, where I felt like he was more of kind of like a wimpy nerd, scaredy cat kind of guy. So The Red Baron, I think he's more, he is The Red Baron, and he's kind of teaching people how to fly in Germany uh, against the U.S., and he's a little bit tougher than that, and obviously he has the German accent, I have no problem with his age, I think the biggest issue 
again, if I'm doing like a psychoanalysis of the actor and the character is he strikes me as somebody who, yes, he could probably play Hans, but he'd be playing more of like somebody who became aggressive because he was bullied when he was younger because he still has that wimpiness in the back of his eyes versus Hans or, or Alan Rickman. The way that he played it is like he was the bully growing up. Yeah, but I mean, in the same vein, when I think when you think of Hans, you know, he's surrounded by a bunch of testosterone-filled goonies, you know, the long hair, the German, and, and the guns. We don't really see Alan Rickman or Hans Gruber exert their physical dominance or, you know, really do much to to prove that they're strong or, you know, I, I guess, you know, fitting of, you know, anything more than what my, my Matthias choice is. I think he would surround himself with big goonies um, and let them do the heavy lifting while he does more of the the planning and the talking. No, and I agree with those points that you're making, which is why when we get to my almost for this, you'll see why I did not go with that. My almost was because I felt like Hans shouldn't be uh, imposing, you know, physically anyways, that he's the brains of the operation, you know, and he kind of reminded me of more of like a mafia boss, right? Like he's scary because you respect him. Like he's intimidating. And that's my only thing with, with Swihopper. That, that's was, I, I just didn't get that. I felt like he was, Again, he could play that role, and I'm sure he'd do really well at it. I just there was something about me that felt like, uh, this guy is somebody who was bullied, and now he's taking it out on the world, versus the Alan Rickman role, where I was like, all right, this is a guy who was the bully, and he's continued to be the bully all through his adult life, which is why. And again, I went with Riz Ahmed, who's 39. He was in The Sound of Metal. He was in Rogue One. He's a Nightcrawler, extremely good actor. He's a very good actor, and he is probably most known for the Marvel people. He was in Venom. He played Carlton Drake, aka Riot. He is definitely gives off that vibe of a very cold, ruthless businessman. Yeah, he uh, he is a gentleman that I had to look up, and uh, I had to scroll past a hell of amount of accolades and awards just to get to his filmography, Wayne. So, yeah, you aren't lying. This guy is very, very talented as an actor. Um, I did see clips of him in Venom as a bit of a, a scientist-type um, guy, and then, boom, turns into Riot, which... Um, you know, can kind of wield the old symbiote axes on his hands and provides a, a pretty good duel for Venom. Uh, so I think great pick from what I've seen in, in his other filmography. This guy, you know, he, he really is a, a, I don't want to say young, but he looks young. I think both our Hanses, they look younger than Alan Rickman portrays Hans to be, but they both, I think, could, could really be cunning, mischievous, uh, you know, guys that are leading an international terrorist group here in the New Age, if we were to produce this in 2021 or 2022, I think both are, you know, our evil leads here would do a great job. And, you know, Riz Ahmed, again, someone I wasn't too familiar with, but after reading through his filmography and seeing some clips, some that I'll certainly keep my eyes peeled for in the future because, um, you know, the, the accent that he can provide, I think, would be huge. I, I think it would be a mistake to just have somebody American in this role as Hans. And so I think both of us picking someone with some international flair um, and probably some so a bit of up-and-comingness to their career I think is really awesome. Yeah, and we can't say it enough, I don't think, is that we when we were messaging before we did this that how difficult this role was to recast because Alan Rickman completely crushed this role. Absolutely. I mean, I have some almost, but there's nobody that I could have presented an almost or my final list that was going to come close to what Alan Rickman was able to provide. I mean, it just that happens with some actors and they provide performances. That's what they're known for. And then finishing things off with John McClane. Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. You won't hurt me. Oh, yeah? Why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. 
So my captain keeps telling me. Played by Bruce Willis. I think we all know who he is. He was 33 at the time. He was doing the show Moonlighting on television with Civil Shepard. He had done the movie Blind Date with Kim Basinger and a movie called Sunset. So he's he's starting to get up and coming. Like He's starting to make his way, but he was more of a comedic actor. And then this movie just kind of blew up and he became an action star. And I do have here that obviously he's an everyman kind of feel. He's not a big, bulky, muscular guy. He's a rebellious cop. So he's got a can-do attitude. He's I like the line where he's got the guy at gunpoint, and he's the guy's like, you can't kill me. You're a cop. Cops have rules. He's like, yeah, that's what my captain's always telling me. And, of course, he improvised the uh, yippee Kaye line. So I went with uh, Sebastian Stan here, and basically he's in I'm Not Here, The Martian, Logan Lucky, but we all know him as Bucky Barnes or the Winter Soldier in the Winter Soldier of the Marvel Universe. I think Sebastian Stan has absolutely the right look. I think he has the right attitude where he's kind of serious, but he also has a lot of little quippy, sarcastic lines a lot. He's also playing Tommy Lee in the Tommy Lee and Pam. Uh, I guess it's a, a series or a movie that I believe it's going to be on Hulu, but definitely going to be released soon. And so he's getting his name and face out there more. I thought he's going to play, uh, you know, young Luke Skywalker um, at some point. Um but uh, he hasn't yet. Um, but yeah, really love the pick. Um, you know, uh, as much as I don't want to love you picking somebody from the MCU to play an everyman, I think you did just about as great as you could to pick somebody who is an everyman amongst the group. Um, you know, he constantly kind of feels like a, a fish out of water. He, um, at least in the MCU. And, uh, you know, you didn't pick Robert Downey Jr. You didn't pick Chris Evans. You didn't pick Chris Hemsworth. So you didn't pick the superstar you didn't pick Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone of the MCU so I applaud you for that and I think that Sebastian Stan could do a great job of playing the somewhat comedic somewhat you know you know very grisly or or raw gritty John McClane so I I think overall really really good job on this role and the cast as a whole win Um, I think that you know Sebastian Stan would do a great job as John McClane and I'd be I'd be interested in watching that movie and probably a few, but not 12 movies like Bruce Willis has done. My Bruce Willis, not my Bruce Willis, my John McClane um, is going to be someone um, who uh, you actually confirmed to me you weren't familiar with and you've seen stuff with him, but he didn't really stand out. And so I'm glad. And because the, that's the angle I really wanted to have with this, I picked Jared Kiso. And Jared Kiso is someone who has kind of sprinkled himself into a few roles, um, a few minor roles in movies. But really what he's known for, and you said it with Bruce Willis, is a comedic TV series. He is known most known for Letterkenny. And he plays Wayne on Letterkenny. And he is a flannel-wearing, jean-wearing, hands-in-the-pocket, respectful, everyman type of guy. And those are the vibes I wanted. And he's also been rumored to play the next potential Wolverine, if and when we do see that. I haven't heard any solid rumors, but he, among Tom Hardy, have been one of the guys that I've seen rumored. And I think that he would do great in that as well. But yeah, Jared Kiso, definitely a, a smaller name. Um, if there are any fans of Letterkenny out there, they're going to know who he is and they're going to know his demeanor. He's been in other films going way back to I Love You, Beth Cooper, which is 2007, 2008 area. He's been in the Marine 3, which is a, a WWE-type film series that started off with uh, John Cena and then The Miz and some other wrestlers. And so he's in the Marine 3. Um, he was in Elysium with Matt Damon, who's also in Godzilla, and in all these roles, he was a military or law enforcement type role. 
Um, and so I think those on top of really just the inspiration I got from trying to find somebody who was really lesser known, a la Bruce Willis, and giving him that skyrocket to stardom that I think Die Hard would for this gentleman. So again, sprinkled in the smaller roles in movies, really larger known for Letter Kenny, the TV show that's going on nine or ten seasons now, and I really find it to be hilarious. It's a bit of a Canadian hockey um really a hilarious comedy show that I, I, I enjoy a lot. Um, and so again, Jared Kiso is my John McClane. I think he could do the action roles. I think he could do the humor. And he's my everyman here in 2021. All right. And I definitely think that, you know, everything you said, he, he fits almost to me every box. The only box I felt like he, I'll say he overchecked, was watching the clips from Letter Kenny. I was like, oh, he's kind of funny. He'd be fun with the quippy lines. But he's big like he looks like a big marine and, and, and that was my only thing is that mclean's probably like five foot nine 175 pounds and this guy looks like he's about six foot five he looks almost like a, a jack reacher type he does double as a hockey player throughout the series um in letter kenny um and so you know he does have some size to him but i think you know you throw a white beater on him and he's gonna look you know i think Facially, too, the hair is what I was looking at. I didn't want to find somebody who's balding, but somebody who you could project, he's going to be struggling with his hair follicles pretty soon here. Um, so I, I think he could certainly kind of fill, you know, those holes there. And I, I don't know, I just, I think comedic stuff, you know, is necessary. Um, and, uh, you know, Jerry Kiso, I think he'd, he'd really rock it, Wayne. All right. Well, he might definitely love the, the cast altogether. Like I said, it was funny that we went in the directions that we did. Like you said, your budget. Uh, I definitely, this movie has to be a success where I'm fired because I, I spent so much money on this. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have some people really upset with you. This better not be uh, that Matt Damon, Adam Driver. I can't even remember the title of it, but that. Uh, the Duel. Yeah, The Duel. No, the Last Duel. I'm sorry. The Last. We're not even getting it right because it was such junk, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be dual between you and I when it comes to these votes. Uh, so wonderful cast all together, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the fan reaction to it. Yeah, me too. Now, uh, as far as almost, I only had two. Uh, how many do you have? Uh, you give us your two, and I've got one for almost everybody. Okay, so for me, uh, one of them was uh, almost dipping into the Walking Dead bucket was for Holly. I looked at Lauren Cohen, who is in the Walking Dead. She plays Maggie. And then the other one, this one I really went back and forth a lot on, was for Hans. I really almost went with Gerard Butler. And I think he would be a fantastic Hans. But like I would mentioned when we were talking about it, I think he's a little too physically imposing. Okay. So for mine, I'm going to start at the top. I've got Bruce Willis. Um, again, I keep confusing that. My almost for John McClane was Ben Foster. Um, I think he's, uh, again, I was aiming for someone who's uh, nearing the, the balding status. Um, someone who has certainly played military, Ben Foster, I believe was in Lone Survivor. He's been in some other roles, but he's um, one of the everymen in Hollywood. I think you're not going to see him, you know, um, be the, the top billing in a cast. Um, and almost for Hans, um, I had uh, Vladimir Mashkov, and that comes directly from me just watching um, Behind Enemy Lines. He's actually um, like the, the number one guy that's chasing after Owen Wilson throughout the film, and um, he, you know, he gave me some bad guy vibes there. Um, you know, I also was thinking Tom Hiddleston, but I was trying my best to not dip into the Marvel bucket that I have. Um, if I wasn't going to go with uh, Rockman Dunbar, I was going to go with Craig Robinson. You know, you know him from, you know, the uh, pizza commercials these days to being uh, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and some other funny shows. Um, but he sprinkles himself on TV. Um, and uh, let me see here. Um, an almost uh, for... 
uh, Ellis. I was going to pick Adam Scott, again, from Parks and Recreation. Um, and uh, I believe that's it. Yeah, that that's it for me. Um, but really had fun with this cast and this movie, Wayne. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I definitely liked those almost. I think Craig Robinson might have been a little too much as Sergeant. Uh, Adam Scott, I definitely can picture because I feel like he always plays that guy. He he always plays like the Ellis type of guy. Yeah, Step Brothers. <laughs> so definitely, thank you for listening, everybody. Hopefully, you'll you'll listen all the way to the end, and then you'll go and you'll find us on all things movies and Facebook. You'll also find us on Twitter. You'll see the images that we put out there and, and give us a vote. We certainly appreciate it. You'll get a shout out on the show if you do vote. Otherwise, definitely listen on Good Pods. Give us five stars for every single episode. Leave a comment for every episode. It helps us out. And listen to all of our people, all of our friends in our universe, because uh, we love to support all those guys. Absolutely. Help us to the top. And that's it. I guess uh, as Porky Pig would say, that's all, folks. That's all, folks.